I had to go through an existential crisis to be <laughs> like, I am the founder of a shoe company. I'm not running a nonprofit. Like I am, I'm running a business. And yeah. in order for this business model and this impact model to work, I have to, I have to be making money because if tied to net profits and you don't have any profits, then you're not giving anything. Yeah. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, a podcast of exploration, vulnerability, and curiosity, in which I seek to bring more understanding and compassion to the human experience. Hi, you guys. I'm so excited for this episode that you're about to hear. I was actually a little bit nervous for it because I am interviewing the founder of one of my favorite shoe companies. And I will um, spare you the details of how we met because we talk about it in the episode. But I just am so pleased with how the episode came out. Hannah is so generous to have given me and this podcast her time and to share her story. And it really just listening back, especially, I I just feel so grateful to be able to hear people's stories. Like I feel that way in general, but especially as someone who is <laughs> mystified by the process of like physical manifestation and building and creating something that's like tangible. It's so cool to hear how Hannah came to found and evolve her company. Um, You'll hear hear all the details, so I don't want to give anything away now, but I just am, I guess, wanting to just like hype up the episode a little bit before it gets started. Um, I think everyone is going to just really love this. And I think there's a lot to learn from the episode and it's just a really interesting story. And I just um, feel so grateful that I met Hannah and that she offered to give me her time and, and to share her story and her experience. I feel like there's just, you know, a big part of this podcast is wanting to share stories and wanting to kind of shine a light on different types of, you know, human experiences and uh, to be able to bring this one into the the podcast is really special and I feel really grateful and I hope that everyone just loves the episode. So without making you wait any longer, here is the episode with Hannah Davis, founder of Bangs Shoes. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am beyond excited about my guest today. Her name is Hannah Davis, and she is the founder of Bangs Shoes, which if you know, you know, and if you don't, you're about to find out. Yes. (laughs) It's awesome. Thank you so much for being here and being on my podcast. I'm so excited. What a weird world uh, a chance meeting at a coffee shop so yeah for everyone who is listening this was like the most random day it was on the full moon I remember it was like a very eventful day for me <laughs> I was going to the coffee shop that I always go to walking by the window and I see these two women in the like in the window and it looked like they were like 
looking like I had oh, the we sense that you guys were like looking we were at me looking. but then I was like that can't be right like I'm sure they're just looking out the window and just talking amongst themselves and I go in and they're like hi and I'm like I don't understand what's happening <laughs> and then they like put their shoes out and I'm like oh my god bangs like we're all wearing bangs and then I found out that one of them Hannah who's in front of me now is the founder of this company bang shoes um and she so generously agreed to be on my podcast well it was so serendipitous I mean I hunt like yeah. I exclusively look at people's shoes and you know it doesn't it happens enough where like, I know there's a chance, but it's not that often, you know, bangs, isn't that big of a company. So it is, I think we have a growing community in Asheville specifically, and especially in West Asheville, I feel like the kind of people that wear bangs go to coffee shops and concerts. So I look outside of the orange peel. I look out like in breweries (laughs) and stuff. So like, those are where my people are going to be. Um, and so I had a couple weeks ago, I'd seen this thing on TikTok where, uh, this guy does like street interviews and I always thought that they were so interesting. So I was like, I want to start doing that for bangs. And so I ordered this like teeny tiny mic from Amazon and I had it in my purse. And I was like, you know what, today's going to be the day I'm going to be, I'm going to see somebody that I don't know wearing bangs and I'm going to interview them. (laughs) And there you were. So we get to interview each other. So funny. That's so fun. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know how to describe like how crazy this meeting was for me to everyone. Um, cause I feel like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have that many shoes like I, or clothes. Like I'm like kind of minimal when it comes to my wardrobe, I have like three and I'm also really picky cause my feet are really sensitive. So I really can only wear like certain shoes and they like mean a, when I find shoes, I like, like those are my shoes. And I really only have like daily shoes aside from like sandals or a pair of brown boots, a pair of black boots, and my bangs. Like, that's literally all I have. I'm honored <laughs> that we made the cut. I'm so honored. And I've, like, gone through periods of, like, Converse, and I've gone through, like, bands was, like, before bangs. And, um, but I was, like, so happy when I found the bang. And, like, okay, so I found them on Instagram, and I would just spend a lot of time on the website. Everyone needs to go to the website right now like while you're listening to this conversation uh which is bit is it bangshoes.com yes there's a double s in the middle which is important because okay. it'll be a different experience if you leave out the s <laughs> don't go to bang shoes <laughs> don't, it's bang ho bangs hose oh, yeah. Bang yeah. oh, oh, oh. yeah okay yeah <laughs> so avoid and uh my dad um when he before he retired he's an eye doctor and um he would tell us patients and so he would you know explain the website and somebody came back in and was like, um, I visited, I, I, that can't be your daughter. Oh you know? So we figured out like, you have to be very, with two yeah, S's, two S's. Yeah. bangs with an S shoes, with starting it. with an S. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and I'll put that in the show notes too. And we'll tell you how to find everything bangs at the end of this mm-hmm. episode. But, um, yeah, there's just so many like different designs on them and it's like such a simple shoe. It kind of resembles a converse, but yeah to me, they're like a lot more comfortable. They're lighter. They're like cuter and cooler. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think all of those things, they're in the same family, you know, it's a canvas. The category is canvas vulcanized rubber shoes. And so, um, 
Converse, Vans, Superga, Keds, Bang, they're all made the same way. Um, so we all have canvas uppers and rubber soles. So they do look very similar. And, you know, it used, I, I get tricked out every now and then if I see a pair of all black chucks, because uh-huh. I could, I mean, I could pick out a pair of Vans from like two miles yeah. away. I'd be like, oh no, that, that's like two inches higher. That's a little thicker. Mm-hmm. But the all black shoes kind of, they trip me up a yeah. bit, um, you know, but it's because it's, it's all the same category, but there yeah. are like small nuances. I mean, the biggest one I think is that our shoes are lighter. Um, Vans and Converse tend to be a lot heavier. And then aesthetically, the biggest differences between Bangs and the other brands are that our shoes are for the most part monochromatic all the way around. So typically you think about a Converse or a Vans, they have a white sole and then a different color fabric Mm -hmm. or upper. And Bangs, if you, you know, if you go to the website, you'll see we have lots of neutral colors and the sole is not white. The sole matches that neutral color of the canvas. So they look like boots but they're canvas shoes. Yeah, which is what I love. And maybe that's why I have a pair of brown boots, a pair of black boots, yes. a pair of things. Like yes. it works with the aesthetic yes. that I'm going for. So I'm so curious how you started bangs when you were really young yes. and you like had this seed of an idea. What, like, where did that come from? Like what made you think, oh, I want to start a shoe company or did it start from something else? It started from something totally different. Okay. And I, I joke about this a lot that like, you know, there's so many reasons why I think I was like on some level delusional enough to think I could do this, but my favorite, like, like now that I'm about to be 35, I think I had the confidence that only somebody without experience can have. Um, so I think starting that young was really advantageous to me just because, you know, I've been doing this 10 years and I know how hard it is and I know all the problems that can come up Mm -hmm. and knowing all this now it's like, man, I don't know if I'd do it again because yeah. it's been, but so I think, um, you know, my, I come from a big family, divorced parents, but great relationships with all four of my parents, um, also means I have a blended like lots of siblings, step siblings, biological siblings. Um, and we were all really encouraged to be creative. Um, I think everybody in the family had something that they would singing artwork, um, you know, doing, uh, mosaics. My mom does, uh, stain stained glass. Oh, cool. So, um, it's just creativity was always part of our family's culture. Um, and so was exploring the world. So it was really important that we always had exchange students that stayed with us. And it was always very important to my family. I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. So it was very important to my mom in particular to expose us to other pieces of the world. And so I was always like really drawn to things that are just different. And I liked, I mean, I was definitely one of those people that's like, I chose things because I thought nobody else knew them. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. so that was, I was just always attracted to like more alternative mm-hmm. things, um, against mainstream. And so I, um, when I got to Clemson, I, my dad had, had recommended that I take Mandarin. Cause I was like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And so he said, you know, you should think about taking a language and Mandarin would be a good thing for you. So I was like, okay, well, I took one class and I got hooked. I mean, this professor that, um, I learned from is an amazing woman. And I was just like basically enthralled by her. I was like, who is she? I'm six, two. She's like five, one. She, we look totally different. She's brilliant. She's speaking in this language that is like 
I can't even comprehend it's yeah. a tonal language and I first I was literally like staring at her and I just like fell in love with her and I was like <laughs> I need to learn everything that she knows like she's lecturing at a university in South Carolina in another language that's perfect like I couldn't I couldn't get it like how did she get to this point so I started you know the there's advice don't take classes take professors and so I did that I I like you know professionally reasonably like stalked I mean not really but like <laughs> every class I was like front row yeah, I'm like totally. what are we learning today yeah. you know and then when I took all of her classes I started finding her colleagues and other Chinese professors and so I you know signed up for their classes and learned about Buddhism and was just trying to soak up all I could about Chinese culture and uh, uh, language and eventually that led me to a study abroad which led me to teach English there after I graduated and I was in the first ever graduating class at Clemson there was like I don't know 20,000 people that graduated the year I graduated from college and there were three of us that graduated with a minor in Mandarin first class ever. So that was like a cool thing. Um, so that led me to China, which led me to found bangs. Um, I guess there's a lot that happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, <laughs> I don't know what everyone go, that goes to China is like, I'm founded a company. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I mean, like, I'll try to make it short, but basically I think uh, you know, along with having a, like a creativity as part of our family's culture, uh, being part of different communities and giving was also, um, so my dad and stepmom were Jewish or are Jewish and my mom and stepdad are Christian. So we would go to Presbyterian church on Sundays. And then the other weekends when I was with my dad and stepmom, we'd go to temple and in both religions, uh, giving, uh, or mitzvahs in Judaism Mm -hmm. were just an important part of like, how to be a good human. Yeah. So that was just always something like, okay, if you have, you give. And that was like something that I wanted to um, loop into my career, I guess. And so in college, I think without, you know, I, maybe it's just my limited scope. I thought, all right, if I want to have impact, I can work for a nonprofit. Um, I had a lot of lawyers in my family. So I was like, all right, I'll go to law school and then I'll like lobby for change. Mm-hmm. And then when I graduated in 2009, that was the, when the housing market crashed. And so there was like no jobs mm-hmm. and there was like a surge of people applying to law schools because there was kind of like nothing else to do. But then there was also people graduating from law schools at the top of their classes that weren't finding work. So like, this is not an exaggeration. I was bartending. I started bartending after... Um, I guess after I founded Bangs, but before it really started growing. So it was like supporting myself and the idea for the company. And there was not one, but there were two JDs, graduated law school, passed the bar that were working at the restaurant at the time. So there was just like no work to be had at the moment. Um, But so during all of that time, I was trying to decide, okay, well, um, you know, I discovered that the nonprofit space is amazing, you know, I guess, sector, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. It's not perfect. And realizing that was kind of a tough, I'm like, okay, well, there's other ways to make an impact. Um, This one isn't the only path. And a lot of people actually think it's maybe not the best way to make impact. Um, And so I discovered companies like Tom's and that another option is to start a business and use your business as a tool to impact social change. And I was very attracted to that idea. So, um, I was, so all that's in the background. And then I literally like sat up in bed one day after like a year of like my existential crisis that I think everybody goes through once they graduate Mm -hmm. from college. Like, Mm -hmm. what do I do to be a productive adult in society? (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to, I left out a part. (laughs) So I left out another part. So I'm, this is during my year teaching English in China. I um, had a community of 
other teachers and other expats that lived in Nantong, the city where I was teaching. And we were all excited about this pair of shoes. And it was like a, a style of shoe that was worn by Chinese workers and farmers. So it wasn't like a brand or a fashion shoe. Um, you could literally buy them for like 50 cents or a dollar off the side of the road. And what was unique about them was that monochromatic mm. look. So that shoe, that Chinese work boot inspired the, like wow. the shoe element. And so I, um, you know, what my teaching contract ended and I gave myself a deadline. I was like, you are not leaving China until you have a plan. Like this is, you have to figure this out. You're not going back to just like waffle around. Like you have to make up a plan. And so I, I had like your textbook aha moment where I sat up in bed one day and I like gasped out loud and I was like, oh my gosh, it's the shoes. And I had obviously drawn a lot of inspiration from Tom's. Um, but so I, I decided I wanted to try to bring, you know, this monochromatic look to a Western market. And I named the company Bangs after the Chinese, uh, the Mandarin character for the word help. It's phonetically spelled B-A-N-G. Um, so an English speaker would look at B-A-N-G and say Bangs. Um, in Mandarin, it's pronounced uh, Bong, but we're not going to sell Bongs. We're selling <laughs> shoes. So, um, uh, so that's the, the inception story. Wow, that's amazing. That is that anywhere like on the website or a little bit. I okay. mean, I do I have a couple sentences yeah. um, on the about. You know, I do I like we show the uh, the Mandarin character so okay, you can see cool. where it comes from and then we talk about the inspiration pulled from Chinese work boots. Um that's so so, cool. so yeah. I guess I really was just looking at the the shop page. <laughs> that, you know what? <laughs> the story doesn't change. It's, it will still be there. <laughs> Wow, that is, I mean, that's amazing. I feel like there's so much, even just like your own um, kind of dedication or your own like ambition to, that's not really the word I'm thinking of, but like to, to do it and like your determination to kind of start this and and um, the creativity that went into that. That's so um, awesome. So how did you kind of get from like the idea of shoes and like the idea of, and did you talk about um, like the help, like the what, cause what you guys do is you invest some of your profits into other entrepreneurial That's right. businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Which so that so cool. took a little, so, you know, to go from, okay, I'm going to have this shoe become uh, you know, I'm going to create mm -hmm. uh, a shoe inspired by this look and I'm going to call it bangs and I want there to be a social piece of it. So then yeah. what's the next step there? There's literally like an infinite number of nonprofits <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And, um, I watched this Ted talk and I mean, it's like however many decades old now. And I, I feel like I'm going to butcher his name. Dan Pelota right. um, gave the Ted talk, how we think about charity is dead wrong. And basically he was saying that the world doesn't need more nonprofits uh, because there's a finite number of resources. So think about how many organizations you can think of off, off the top of your head that are dedicated to providing clean water. The world needs organizations that connect existing organizations that already have the infrastructure in place mm -hmm. so that there's more of a sharing of resources that's versus cool. like starting another initiative. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's what Bangs does. So we found an organization uh, right now we work with Kiva and they have amazing infrastructure, amazing mission. They're doing it way better than I could ever do it. They've been doing it, you know, however many decades at this point. And we, they, so they have lots of infrastructure in place to, um, vet entrepreneurs, you know, people who have business ideas um, all around the world, including the United States. 
And then they uh, connect those borrowers with people like me and you to help invest in their missions. And one of the things that was so attractive about that was that we're not just giving people stuff. We're um, investing in their ideas Mm -hmm. um, because there are things like pride that exist, you know, sometimes people need stuff like there's nothing you know if there's like a natural disaster like people need food water or like a war zone like yeah there's that is a hundred percent a need but then there's you know in other instances there's a whole other world of people who are like I don't want to hand out I have like I can work hard and I don't want to owe you anything you know so um that that's the group of people that uh we're focusing on that's so cool and I feel I hear in that too of um like a short-term fix of being like, here's a sandwich essentially versus like giving the means to kind of then grow on your own and exactly long-term. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we take 20% of our net profits and invest in Kiva and then we don't. So if it's an investment, then obviously the entrepreneur pays it back, but we don't take that money back into Mm -hmm. our pocket. We recycle it. So like one set of $50 in theory could touch like 50 people or hundred yeah. people, which is again, a credit to Kiva, not necessarily us, yeah. um, but it's just like a cool thing that they do. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's so cool. I feel like I, I am just thinking about the whole, um, like the whole business model and everything for banks. I mean, you say, obviously Tom says something like kind of similar, but I feel like there's not really, it's just not done that much. You don't see this type of thing, you know, that much. And especially with like the creativity element, which I want to go into, like, how did you, so a big part of bangs, I feel is like the, the designs on the sides of there, this monochromatic shoe, but then what makes them like really special, I feel like is this like artwork that's part Mm -hmm. of them. So how did like that come to be part of it? Well, I think like a Bangs is always evolving. And I think that was not planned is the thing. (laughs) And honestly, you know, the shoes kind of were like the, an afterthought to be honest. (laughs) It was sort of like, all right, I kind of backed into it, you know? Um, And it was an interesting process to like, for, I had to go through an existential crisis to be (laughs) like, I am the founder of a shoe company. I'm not running a nonprofit. Like I am, I'm running a business. And in order for this business model and this impact model to work, I have to, I have to be making money because if tied to net profits and you don't have any profits, then you're not giving anything. And so that was like a very tough realization. And part of that means that we have to be really good at selling shoes. We have to be really good at marketing. And, you know, a lot of people, and I mean this, like, this is just a, maybe this is not tr- the absolute truth, but there is some truth to this that I think a lot of people, you know, I know people are good. I believe that people are intrinsically good, but you know, it's hard to make somebody care about the, the, like the mission or the things that you care about. Um, especially in today's world when like think marketing is so oversaturated, there's literally a million causes. There's a million horrible things happening at any given moment. So it's like, sometimes I think our like customers have gotten almost like fatigued by it. I mean, people want to know that their company, the companies that they're choosing to buy from are doing good stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think people want to buy products that they genuinely like. And that was also a tough realization for me. So like, that's why you didn't see the mission on the website because it's not like it's on there for people if they want to read about it, Mm -hmm. but people want to buy a product that they like because they like the way it looks. And so that realization kind of made me take a hard 
look in the mirror and be like, how do we make our products stand out? Because we are entering the saturated market from a shoe perspective and just from a content perspective. So what's the element? And so the, the embroidery that you see today was not like a core part of the business plan from the beginning. It was a part of the creative evolution um, to, you know, keep changing the brand, keep people interested and stay true to our mission yeah. as well. That's so cool. And you mentioned before, um, before you started that, that, um, sorry, before we started this interview, that there's been a lot of evolution. And so that's one thing of the, and how did, how do you come up with like, who are the artists that are like, that are doing the artwork? Is it one artist that you kind of work with or is yeah. it a lot of different artists? Well, we pull concepts like, okay. um, from, the world, I think like everybody does, you know, cause there's like the zeitgeist, right? So um, all of a sudden everybody has mushrooms all over everything right, right. now. Uh, five years ago, it was succulents. Um, you know, at some point it's gonna be something else. Snakes, it's happening right now. So, you know, I think uh, tapping into like our target demographics, like um, communal, what's the word? There's like a word for it. Uh, I don't know. There's like some yoga woo woo word I'm looking for. It'll come. To I was me. like, is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? <laughs> it's like the general, like um, all the people. You're like, I don't. It'll come to me at like 2 a.m. Okay, but, perfect. Um, you know, again, like zeitgeist is another yeah. word, but it's just like our like you know the communal demographic, uh, whatever that uh, our group is pulled to at that time, yeah. and like those trends do change. And, yeah, and it's like an interesting thing this is, this could evolve into a totally different conversation, <laughs> but you know, people will write in ideas. Like we'll see the, we'll see sharks and we'll see okay. like 45 people write the word shark. Like we'll put out surveys or we'll be like, what design do you want to see next? And we'll see three people write sunflowers. And, you know, um, if we see it over and over mm-hmm. and over again, then we'll be like, okay, I like that. And then we'll come up with, you know, we'll pull inspiration from other like things we see in magazines or Pinterest, and we'll put together these boards and then we'll make it our own. So we'll put together these like big mood board concepts mm-hmm. and then put the bang spin on it. Um, so we work with one graphic designer um, who started as a brand ambassador and she does pretty much all of our designs unless we work with an artist specifically. Um, like we did, we gifted an artist a pair of shoes and she drew on them just for like a TikTok. But then the response to her design was incredible. So we reached out to her and we're like, hey, can we buy this design from you? And she was like, heck yeah, you know, so oh, you know, stuff like that happens yeah. as well. But that's very rare. Most of our designs are made either in-house exclusively by our graphic designer, or we work with uh, influencers who have concepts that they either communicate to our graphic designer who then she makes them, or there's like some combination of you know, maybe a lot of our influencer partners are creatives who like work on Photoshop. So they just might make their own design and be like, can you put this on the shoe? So that happens too. Wow. So do you do that? And then like, would you sell that design to everyone or Mm -hmm. you do like, okay, this is just for you. Um, Oh no, No, you would sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is part of our, our group now, part of our inventory now. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. I mean, I just love and everything that you're saying, it's like this following of like the next thing. And I love that kind of your inspiration for it of just wanting to like contribute to social change and like wanting to contribute to society um, kind of led you down this path that you probably didn't ever think <laughs> that oh, you would go down. no way. I mean, it looks, yeah, it definitely started that way. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like I'm making decisions all the time about um, like how to like do the best I can, like really as, as everybody does, I think. Um, but I also have like 
redefined my scope of what I think I can impact because I think in my twenties, you know, you want to change the world and, you know, I've just been through enough and I've seen enough happen in the world. Like, I don't know if I want that goal anymore. Like that's really overwhelming. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to like my realm of acceptance of what I can change. I have shifted my perspective a lot. And I think it's been like a lot healthier um, because you can't change everything and you can't help everyone and, you know, but you can help some people. So Mm -hmm. just like, do your best. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such an important message for people to hear who have that impulse to want to create big change. Um, because I, I think in some, in some ways, and sometimes I think for me too, it's like, that leads to paralysis. And I mean, you have a, clearly a lot of like energy and motivation <laughs> that really I like serves your <laughs> But like, I think, you know, when you think, oh, if I can't help anyone, I, or if I can't help everyone, then what's the point or something like that, then you're really limiting, like, then you're really limiting, like who you can help and how you can make an impact. But when you just think, okay, what's my like current area of, of contribution, like who are the people who are around me, even if it's just, just like your friends or your family yeah. and like starting there. And then that's, and even yeah. if you get outside of that, yeah. you might, you'll come back. Cause right. you'll be like, actually this is cause something else I feel like, you know, maybe I, I haven't, I'm sure there's people that talk about this, but like, um, part of impact is, and if you have a group of people that love what you're doing, you're going to have an adjacent group of people who don't like what you're doing. Mm. And so working through that is very difficult, um, especially as like a people pleaser and somebody who like yearns for approval (laughs) from everyone. Um, you know, that's a, that's a tough thing to come to terms with that if you, um, and it doesn't matter the scale, if you are doing something for like two people versus doing something for 2000 people, for every, again, I don't know, 50 people that are, you're impacting, someone's going to tell you that you're doing it wrong, or you're not doing it enough, or you should be doing it their way. And that's just like, I guess, part of putting your work out into the world or putting your opinions out into the world. That's, but accepting that, especially in a world like today, um, where everybody has a voice and can make their voice be known, um, which is there's, I mean, obviously that's how I've built my, my business is yeah. by like through social media. So it's been over overwhelmingly positive, but there is like this kind of like darker side to it that comes along with it. And it's just part of the territory. Yeah. And you've experienced that like with your shoe. I mean, are people like you're doing shoes all wrong? (laughs) No, I think that, um, certainly, oh my gosh, I, we have people telling us we're doing stuff wrong all the time. Um, and you know, a lot of them might have points, right? Like I'm willing to admit that like, I'm wrong, like a lot. Um, but it is just, you know, sometimes it just gets like loud and noisy and Mm -hmm. again, like focusing, deciding, deciding to focus on like the things that I can control and deciding to focus on the group of people that are supportive versus not is like like when you're in the thick of something is like the thing that keeps you moving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. So you mentioned TikTok has been like a huge kind of part of now, like the evolution of the brand and that maybe there are like some other areas that the brand is going or like some other evolution. Do you want to talk about a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, we could talk about social media all (laughs) over because I mean, really uh, when I first started bangs, I, you know, it was like 
what, 2012. So Instagram wasn't even, I mean, it was like you were taking pictures of your food with like those dark, warm <laughs> filters on it. Right. There was like six filters and there was like four people that followed you. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, it is what it is. But um, so in 2012, the way to grow a brand was through wholesale. And so I put 12 pairs of shoes in the trunk of my car and I didn't have a printer at the time. So I printed like, you know, line sheets. Um, a student at FIT helped me like create, cause I didn't know what a line sheet was, helped me. And so I printed these line sheets out at like a Kinko's and put them in my 2005 Honda that I still have. <laughs> and I drove up and down the East coast and cold walked into stores. I went, wow. yep. Like did a bunch of research online and cold called people. And I, you know, I sold in, um, like a hundred thousand dollars worth of shoes in year one, just by like wow. walking into stores. People just love, did they love like the monochromatic thing? Like, what do you think it was about the I, shoes? I think it, that they saw Tom, the success of Tom's and Tom's was like, at its height at the time, maybe like, you know, changing a little bit, but it was like at the tip top. And so there, all these people were like, okay, there's gotta be something next. Like what's the next thing. And so they were willing to, you know, take a chance on me and, and the idea. Um, but it didn't work. So like people weren't going into, so the way, you know, retail relation relationships work are, you know, so like my shoes retail for like $60. So I would go into a store and I would sell them to that store for $30. And then the store would sell them to that re for that retail price. So um, I am, you know, getting paid $30. Mm -hmm. The store is getting paid $60, but they keep that difference of $30. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the, they, the only way the store gets their money is if somebody, people come in to buy them. But if people weren't walking into the stores and buying bangs, like nothing was happening. Nobody was making any money. And so... Um, you know, that's what, that's what happened. And it was like right on, so this was like 2012 to 2013. I mean, we were like, like by many counts failed that first, like we had some good stuff on paper, but it really wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, we need to figure out another outlet. And then, you know, I started posting on Instagram and I started reaching out to people who now are called influencers. But at the time it was just like people who had been like, just posting on, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Just, just like, huge, just like people actually using the app. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I just would reach out to these people and be like, Hey, I, you know, I see you like do yoga and I also do yoga. Can I send you some shoes? And we talk about it. And people like, yeah. heck yeah. Cause it's like brands weren't like doing that cash at people yeah. like they are now. And, um, so we got worked with like, I mean, I can, I could name the like first five influencers that we ever worked with who like changed the game for us. Wow. And I remember one Tori um, posted um, and overnight we got like a thousand followers, which was wow. like when you go from like 2000 to 3000 followers yeah. that we were like, what is going on? And we had, you know, maybe like four people bought shoes, but at the time when we were selling like four shoes every five <laughs> days, you know, it was like, that was, that was like, we're exploding, yeah, you know, like, totally, my totally. life will never be the same. Like, <laughs> and I genuinely believe that I was like, I am retiring in a week. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Sorry. How did you like manage the growth of that? Like, is it the type of thing where you're working with like a factory and they're able to just like produce as many shoes as are being ordered? Or like, did you have to accommodate for like an influx of, you know, purchases? Um, so 
the long, I mean, so that's like a conversation about inventory management. And that's, <laughs> I guess it's not that interesting. Maybe. No, well, it is, it, it, I think it's super interesting, but it's very complicated. Okay. So it's like, I'll give the, basically it is not that simple. Like we have to make decisions because our factories in Vietnam and we, um, it takes a long time to order fabric, cut it, mm. especially with our embroidery now. So um, you know, we are ordering shoes in, you know, what's March for that are not going to be here until October. Okay. So we have to make at this point, now we have enough history. We've been in business for almost 10 years that we can look and make predictions about what we think we're going to sell. We're always for the most part wrong, but like we get some, a lot enough, right. To still be in business. Yeah. Cause if you mess it up enough, you're out of business. Um, but we get enough, right. Where we're like, knock on wood, still ch- chucking along, yeah. but, um, you know, when I, when we talk about an influx, like, oh, we got a thousand followers, we got, you know, four pairs of shoes. It wasn't, we never had like that type of growth okay. um, where it was unmanageable. There might've been like, you know, a six month period, but, you know, we're not talking like we had 10,000 people waiting for shoes. <laughs> you know, there might've been like 40. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So it's, yeah, our, our growth has been, we've grown every year, except for our COVID year. We were, I mean, we grew like, I mean, we were mostly flat that year, but we didn't go, we weren't down and we didn't have to like let anybody go, which was yeah. amazing. Um, but every other year, aside from our COVID year has been like, we've had growth, um, which is amazing, but it's always been, uh, managed and manageable. Yeah. Okay, cool. And was there anything, I feel like I derailed the TikTok conversation, but was there more about like social media and like how did now, now that that was Instagram and now TikTok, like, yeah. So it just changed, you know, we rode the Instagram wave as long as we could. And obviously we still post on Instagram. It's still a really important part of our business, but it's just different. Like you can't go viral. Like you can't even get Mm -hmm. your content to all your people anymore. I mean, like, I don't know what the stats are now, but like 0.5 or 1% of the people that follow you see your content when, you know, when we started out, it was like a hundred percent of the people. And so our engagement was stronger. We had more people interacting, um, and more people just like seeing our stuff. Um, but then it, it's just, you know, our numbers of just you, but everybody's habits, not just us. It's just like, uh, Instagram, is different. It just happens when more people get involved and when, um, you know, they start monetizing and, you know, I, they did what any business in their situation would do. But again, it's just, it's that idea of like the minute something becomes mainstream, it's not necessarily cool anymore. Um, and so that's just a tough thing. So we have like now, now it's like, you know, inching towards like the, like I still get on Facebook, you know, but like that was the coolest, most amazing thing when that came out. And, you know, that that's just the nature of like progress and time. Um, And so once we started seeing that the results of our like organic and ads on Instagram weren't working, we started looking for other channels and, you know, somebody like I have some niece, I have nieces and um, we, like I had been following other influencers who were younger, like a lot younger than me. and they, I was watching their social media grow and I'm like, how are they growing on Instagram? And I was like, it's, they all, all the people that were growing on Instagram or are growing on Instagram for the most part have a video platform. So it's like people who are like YouTubers or TikTokers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, once I drew that connection, I was like, we have to figure out like how to use TikTok. Um, and so we started really taking it seriously in um, maybe 2020, 2021, something like that. And this past year, it was the most important platform. Like it was way more 
important than Instagram for us. And so we've kind of like gone, not all in, but it's just an interesting thing. Cause the minute it's like, you know, we had a couple nice years and then COVID happened and then we got through COVID and then, you know, we haven't even talked about like the impacts of that on the business. Yeah. Um, but it, that's an interesting thing. Cause there was like the immediate impacts of COVID. And then there are the impacts of COVID that are happening now. So there's like supply chain stuff that the right. butterfly effect is mm-hmm. picking up for our supply chain, literally like this moment. Wow. Um, so yeah, the, that the butterfly evolution thing happens within social media platforms as well. And so watching like Instagram, like explode and then kind of turn into something different. And it's, again, it's still important. I still love it um but it's just a like people aren't using it in the same way anymore and I think people are just absorbing content differently now and faster um and yeah so TikTok has been certainly like the one of if it's the most important social media for us now wow I feel like it just really speaks to Mm -hmm. like what we were talking about about in the beginning of just even how this company came to be like it feels like that thread of listening like listening to the culture listening to your own like instinct and and impulse and creativity like that is such a through line throughout the company of just like almost like letting it take you where it needs to go and for your mission yeah which is so cool yeah I certainly feel you know, and sometimes I have to, I second guess myself, like, am I listening the right way? Am I listening to the right things? And, you know, you could play that game. I'll still play it. But but, um, yeah, I mean, I do, I think we, that is, we try really hard to listen. You know, we do a lot of surveys and like, um, we don't make shoes unless they get a certain score on our surveys. And so there is at least like a real, you know, attempt to listen to our customers and take it very, you know, like a lot of times I'll like a shoe and I'm like, I want to make that shoe, yeah. but it doesn't win. And I'm like, you know, like, all right, fine. I'll go with what everybody wants. Like, yeah. So that, it, that thread does exist yeah. in like, you know, all the different pieces of the company. Yeah. Let it, it's like almost even the same as like, oh, I really wanted to maybe start that really impactful nonprofit company, but it didn't win. <laughs> yeah. Didn't win the, yeah. The survey or whatever. It's not going to be actually have the impact that maybe you're looking for. Yeah. Well, and I think also the, the other piece is that a lot of, um, I noticed that people in the nonprofit space work just as hard, if not harder than people in corporate America. And they make like an eighth the amount of money. And that's like a really tough thing. Like if you want to have, you know, if you want to have like health, like good healthcare, like that sucks. But like in the world we live in, you like have to think about those things. And so, you know, impact and also taking care of yourself and your family, if those things are all priorities to you, like, the nonprofit sector really isn't that attractive, which yeah. is really unfortunate. And that's another thing that Dan Pelota talks about. Again, I'm, I'm sorry, Dan, if I'm butchering your last name, but <laughs> I'm going to put that, I'm going to find that Ted talk and put it in the show notes. If okay. people can watch it. Cool. Um, but he talks about like how it's that, like, that's another thing that really is unfortunate because if somebody's really talented, like they can be making a ton more money doing something else. And then again, if you have more money, maybe you're giving a hundred thousand dollars to a cause versus like, and again, every dollar matters. I don't mean like, you know, it just is like a kind of a fact that you mm-hmm. might have more to give if you have more income yeah. because you're not trying to worry about like preserving your basic needs. Yeah. 
Although I do think that it's an interesting note that a lot of times, like some of the people, like the most generous people I've ever met, like don't have anything at all, which is, just, that's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we can have that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to wrap up, but I wanted to ask you sort of a last question, which is what is your favorite bangs design right now? If you have one. <laughs> I, okay. So design wise, I am drawn to all the florals. Okay. I find myself pulling my Eversize daisies the most. Um, it's an all white shoe with white flowers on it and it's a, a heavy embroidery. Um, our best seller is the universe high tops. And then people love the universe. People love the universe. <laughs> and then our second best seller is a, the sunrise mountain, which is a collaborative shoe with Courtney Steves. Um, and so people love the mountain granola pal vibe mm -hmm. as well. And that Sahara sand color is our best seller. Okay. Um, best selling color. But Man, I, people need to get on the London fog train. I'm telling you, that's the best one. Well, I, so I'm like, <laughs> I wear my London fog low tops, but those don't have a design on them. Okay. So it's like, and they're, you know, it's a low top so it's it's not as recognizable so if mm -hmm. I'm like going out somewhere I will always choose an embroidery because I feel like if somebody knows about bangs they're more likely to be like oh those are bangs That's yeah with an embroidery but if I'm like just doing my errands uh, I'm, I'm in the London fog low tops um or the Eversize daisies but I also love these moon ones that I have in platforms yeah can you tell us a little bit about the moon yes. platforms so um, throughout the years we've are we're known for our high tops so it's like a you know a converse a little lower on your ankle than a high top converse would come um, maybe like an inch and a half or something like that but our and the sole is I don't know, like a half uh, I don't know half an inch something maybe a little bit more than that three quarters of an inch on our normal uh, silhouettes and so over the years um, we've added low tops we've added slip-ons and we have had we've tried boots um that and they're more lifestyle boots than functional boots so that means that the sole isn't really any different it's not like a functional work hiking thing um but the the canvas comes up higher we added grommets so it like looks a little bit more like gritty um but so the newest silhouette that we are releasing is a platform so it's not like a full-on Spice Girl platform, but it's like <laughs> double the plat the height of our current soles and the um, canvas comes up higher. So it's a higher high top. Um, and it is a collaborative shoe with another woman named Hannah, Hannah Keppel. She is an actress on the Netflix show Cobra Kai, but she's from Asheville. And so she wore bangs in high school and like then was on this, you know, was on this amazing uh, show and we got connected through um one of the bangs employees who's also my siblings went to school with somebody who knew hannah and so it's just like a bangs, yeah. like, bang family yeah truly and she was hannah's to was totally into it and she's like okay well you know her character on cobra kai is named moon so we um she she's like i think i want to put a moon on it and she was interested in doing a platform and it couldn't have been more perfect timing because it was what right when she brought it up it was like again the zeitgeist had been asking us for it like i'd had maybe one person ask me for platforms like two years ago but then again one person's not enough to make a trend um but then i kept seeing it in surveys surveys i kept seeing it on social media and so i was like all right there might be something here and then when Hannah brought it up, I was like, let's do it. Um, so the moon platforms are, will be um, available for, or like to ship out in May. Um, but we only ordered a small amount. And so 
if I'm you're gonna listening get and want some, <laughs> order them quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they're really cool. Hannah's wearing them right now. And yeah, they're really awesome. Um, thank you so much, Hannah, for being here and like telling us the story of bangs and like how it's all evolved. It's so interesting and like really is, I feel like a, a powerful story of like following the thing, like having a mission and following whatever is like required for that and being open to like creativity, um, even when it doesn't like match your own idea in our head. Cause I think we can just get really caught up on our ideas about things and how we want them to be. Yes. So I love yeah, that. It's so cool. Um, and for everyone listening, I'm going to put, uh, all of the contact info, like the website and the Instagram, the TikTok and all of that in the show notes. So you can find it if you haven't already been on your phone, looking it up, <laughs> look it up, do it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. If you like this episode, please consider leaving me a rating or a review and sharing the episode with your friends, your family and subscribe so that new episodes come straight to your feed every week.